0: Hi there, my name's John, and my ex-girlfriend invited me to her wedding to rub it in my face. After she found out that I was richer than her husband, she started flirting with me. So, my ex, who's named after a talking robot, and I met when we were traveling. I was backpacking through New Zealand, and she was doing a gap year. We met at a hostel, and it was pretty much love at first sight. For me, at least, it took Lex a bit to warm up to me mainly because she was the prettiest girl I've ever met, and I... Well, I was simply plain old average. Not many people would look twice if they ever saw me walking down the street, but hey, I have other things going for me. Anyway, long story short, Alexa and I eventually ended up dating. I even ended up extending my travels by three whole months just so we could be together longer. Eventually, we had to both go home to our own countries. But for six months, we kept up our relationship. We would Skype or FaceTime each other. We would text memes to each other. And somehow, we made it work long distance. I saved up for a year. I didn't go out partying. I didn't buy any new games. I didn't even go out for coffee. Every little amount I kept and saved. Just so that I could buy myself a ticket and travel to where my girlfriend lived. I wanted to surprise her. So I turned up without telling her. I was so pumped, I even wore a suit and all. I bought her flowers. Granted, I only got those flowers from the airport, but what I saw when I got to Lexa's house was not the welcome I expected. I was about to knock my bouquet of flowers behind my back when I peeked into the living room window. And on the couch, my girlfriend and some guy were all cuddled up, eating popcorn and watching a movie. I nearly lost my mind. I pounded on the door and Lex was so not expecting to see me there, she answered it while still entwined in the guy's embrace. But when she saw my face, her laugh quickly turned to shock. And then she frowned. But then she caught herself and put on a much larger smile. Oh my god! John? (laughs) What? 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 What are you- Is that really you? What are you doing here? Well, I wanted to surprise my girlfriend with a visit, and these flowers, but I see you're busy with someone else. What? Him? No, he's just, uh, well, he's a cousin. A cousin you kiss on the lips? Kiss? I saw you through the window. Please don't lie to me. Have some balls. Fine. Have it your way. We're dating. You can't blame me. You live a thousand miles away. Don't tell me you haven't even looked at other girls. I haven't. Well, that's your fault, isn't it? And besides, I get lonely. It's not like you live down the street, you know? So I'm sorry you bought a flight ticket and all that, and whatever gross cheap flowers those are, but... "'Your trip here's a waste. I found someone new. Someone better. "'And you know what? He's rich, and he lives right here. "'What kind of life are you ever going to be able to give me? "'A struggling artist like you.'" "'Okay.'" Alexa slammed the door in my face. "'I had to spend three days at some hotel just so I didn't have to go back home "'and face the reality that I really did just travel a thousand five hundred and twenty-one miles.'" To see a girl who's dumped me months ago without me knowing it. I was ashamed to go home and tell my mom and dad that I went through all that trouble for nothing. I've been telling all the people in my life about her. About how I one day wanted to marry her. and There she was. And some other guys embrace simply because he makes more than me. I felt bitter. When I got back home, I didn't talk to anyone for days. I was so mad. One day. I just exploded and shouted at my poor mom. And that was how things turned around for me. I decided Alexa had enough to do with my life. I couldn't ruin my relationships with other people just because I was heartbroken. And I decided to move on. I poured all my frustrations into work. Day after day, I painted and I painted. I hustled and worked two day jobs. I sold paintings in the park during weekends until one day... Some important gallery owner noticed me. She had gotten a hold of one of my works through a friend, and she invited me to show my stuff at her gallery. And that night, I was sweating bullets. I didn't know what I'd gotten myself into. I'd never seen so many rich people in the same room, and some of them were famous. My paintings were a hit. The night ended with only one painting left in the gallery, and it was a painting I did of Alexa. I drew horns and fangs on her. It was actually a really good one. Maybe a bit childish, but it was still one of my best. Kylie, the lady who owned the gallery, approached me after the show, and I asked her why she thinks the one painting didn't get sold. Oh. But it did. Really? I don't see any stickers saying it's been sold. Well, that's because I want it. W- what You think I'm going to let all those people have one of your paintings and leave myself out? You're going to be a huge star, John. It'd be stupid not to invest in one of your early works. And besides, I quite like it. I like how much you hate whoever that unfortunate lady is. She laughed. Kylie was right. I became a star. That first exhibition was only the first of many. Soon... People were flying me to Iceland, to Peru, to Manila, just to exhibit my art. Millionaires and billionaires alike began to book me. They would commission custom pieces or portraits of their families. And the money fell from the sky like a never-ending blizzard. Girls all used to ignore me. Guys never wanted to be my friend. But whenever I'd go to a show or an exhibition, people all wanted a minute of my time. Models and fans and superstars all wanted to invite me to their parties. I bought my parents a house. And a boat. I wanted to thank them for always believing in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. I gave them a retirement fund so they never had to work again. And for me, I bought a boat. And I learned how to sail. One fateful weekend, I received an invite to a wedding. It was Alexa's wedding. It turned out they'd moved to some island in the Caribbean. It's a destination wedding, so I understand if you can't afford to come, she wrote on the back of the invitation. But know that you can still send your gift to my address anyway. Wow, I'd never met anyone so terrible in my life. So, you know what? Just to be petty, I went. In my super yacht. It was a beach wedding, so I arrived in absolute style. I parked my yacht in full view of the beach where the ceremony was. And, of course, I arrived late. I got off my yacht and had a speedboat deliver me to the shore, where the priest's voice and the couple's vows were drowned out by my speedboat. Everybody was looking at me. Clearly some of them recognized me. And, not to brag, but I've been on a few magazines at that point. Just as the ceremony finished and the two said their I do's, Alexa found me in the crowd. Oh, wow. I didn't expect you'd make it. Quite an entrance you made there. I hope the gift you got me isn't from some cheap airport shop this time, considering that you basically ruined my ceremony. Whose boat is that anyway? You working as a boat crew or something now? Mm, No, he owns that yacht, said my bodyguard smiling. And the look on Alexa's face was priceless. Her jaw dropped to the floor, and I swear I could see dollar signs in her eyes. Immediately, Alexa started flirting with me, barely an hour after she'd gotten married. I encouraged her, of course. I wanted to see how far I could get. But in reality, I only had eyes for one girl on that beach. And she was beautiful. Even more beautiful than her cousin. Yep, I danced with Alexa's cousin that night. The cousin she told me she hated. I could see Alexa's eyes brimming with jealousy. And when it came to the toast, Alexa convinced me to give one, and I obliged. So, what can I say about my dear friend who just got married? Alexa was my ex, and she was horrible to me. I saved up for six months to fly to her country and visit her while we were dating. And I got there, and she was already with another guy. This guy! And you know what she said? She said I could never be good enough because I wasn't rich. The crowd gasped. Some laughed. Well, guess what, Alexa? I'm rich now, and everybody, if you could just direct your attention to the screen. I had my bodyguard secretly film my ex flirting with me. In it, she could be heard saying, You can afford lawyers now. You can get me out of this, can't you? I can be a good wife for you. Don't you miss me? The guy she married literally flipped the table. He rushed off and shouted that he wants a divorce. I laughed so hard, there were tears in my eyes. Beside me was Layla, Alexa's cousin, and she couldn't stop laughing either, telling me that the family will be talking about this for years. And they did. I know because I became part of that family. Layla and I ended up dating, and we got married. The fun part is, Alexa gets to watch from afar what she missed out on. My name's Pete, and I grew up in a rickety shack in the middle of a rich suburb. Dad had been offered multiple times by the rich newcomers to buy his land, but he never sold, despite the high offers. He was waiting for the price to skyrocket. You know, son, in matters of investment, you gotta hold. If you hold long enough, the thing you hold on to increases in value exponentially. Dad saved every penny that he could spare. For the rainy day, he always used to say. He was a regimented man. He did everything by the book. Everything had to be in its place. He always drilled into me how I needed to divide my life into segments and achieve specific goals. School, job, dating, marriage, children. And Out of all those, he emphasized the importance of a stable nine-to-five. You mustn't aim higher or you'll only fail. The rich will stay rich, and us poor folk need to keep our heads down. For all his steadfastness, what he forgot is that the house's value could also go to the complete opposite way. Thanks to an ingenious scheme that our rich neighbors came up with, our plot of land became wetter and wetter every year. The first house to do it were the Manderley's, they were a bunch of snobs who came down from the city when they heard our school district was the best in the country. Mummy, who are those poor people living next to our mansion? Shoo! Son, don't look at them! Poverty is contagious! Ugh. They made a canal where their sink water was dumped into, and it all flowed into our plot. Of course they kept it a secret, and nobody found out until it was too late. The rich guys got fined by the city. but. It was too late. Our plot of land became a swamp, and its value was deemed worthless. Dad held on for nothing. I guess that was what broke his spirit. He and Mom just gave up and just lived on a day-to-day basis. They no longer dreamed of a better future. To further humiliate him, our rich neighbors held a charity drive for my dad and us, and during the embarrassing ceremony, The Manderlees made an exaggerated show by offering Dad a job at their agency, as a clown for a kid's party. And he took it. He had no other choice. Every household in that suburb hired him, and it hurt to see people laughing. Not because they found him funny, but because he did whatever it took for spare change. And still, he didn't sell the house. So, my whole life, I had to live in a swamp. My classmates called me an ogre because of it. I heard the Manderly kids started the nickname. Every time I passed by, they would plug their noses or pinch them closed and tell me I stunk of swamp. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life when I finally got to sit beside my longtime crush in chemistry, and she fainted after she held her breath because she believed the rumor that I smelled bad. I did get to talk to Opal after I took her to the infirmary, and she realized the rumors weren't true. Opal was an outcast, just like me. And so we bonded straight away. We laughed it off and we became friends. So it wasn't all bad. Unfortunately, the entire school only heard about the part where a girl fainted because of my smell. That made me the laughingstock for quite a while. I was called Stinky Petey. And for three whole years, I would battled that nickname. In senior year, I almost won. And some people started calling me Pete again. Until some nosy first year asked someone on the basketball team why there was a graffiti of my nickname in the locker room. Then the joke got told over and over again. Luckily, I had Opal. She never stopped defending me. She grew more beautiful as time passed, and she got rid of her braces. Suddenly, she was popular. Some people even called her the Queen Bee, but she refused the title because she thought it was vain. When a guy from the football team tried to ask her out, she grabbed my hand and pulled me into a surprising kiss. In front of everyone i melted i felt sparks obviously i dreamed of escaping that life and it got so frustrating that i couldn't do anything because i was poor so i condensed all that frustration and all those impossible dreams and i poured them into something i was good at i loved to draw and i loved to tell stories so whenever i fell down in the dumps Whenever I wanted to scream, I drew. And I wrote stories. I would make little comic strips about my day or how terrible high school was. And when Opal and I got to hang out, she would beg me over and over until I finally relented and showed her the comics for that week. She would laugh at all of them, and she would feel bad for the main character when the story was a sad one. Either way, the afternoon would end with her wiping tears from her eyes as she begged me for more. You know you have to publish these, right? (laughs) Don't be silly. I'm serious. These are really good. You're just saying that because you're my friend. So you're saying I have no taste? uh, That's not what I'm saying at all. Opa would nag me a lot, but she was always there for me, and she always wanted to see me succeed. She was the only light in my dark life. Not even my parents believed I could achieve anything. One day, as I was walking through the quad, I noticed people laughing and pointing at me. More than usual. And they were looking at their phones. I rifled through the school's group chat, and there they were. My creations. For everyone to see. And laugh at. Opal had betrayed me. They were all laughing. And not because I was funny. They laughed at my drawings. Called me a loser. One girl threw a pickle at my face. <laughs> Wanna be? I fought battles on two fronts by myself. One at school and the other at home. You're born poor. You'll live the rest of your life poor. That's just life. It's pointless to even try. The rich grow richer and the poor get poorer. Whenever I would show them my report card or a medal I'd gotten, they'd just brush it off like it meant nothing. Once, when I made the mistake of showing them my drawings, my dad tore them in front of me and threw them into the fireplace. I don't have time to look at your silly scribbling. Can't you see I'm busy figuring out how to pay our bills? Don't bother your dad. Here I am, breaking my back for this family. and You spend good money on paper and paintbrushes. You're wasting all my hard work! You're wasting your time on pointless things! But I had big dreams, and I tried to make them realize that I was serious about making comics. So, I did what Opal told me to do. I published them on a free site where people read webtoons. On my first day, I got one view, and I began doubting myself again. But by the second day, I had a hundred comments on the first chapter I submitted, all of them clamoring for more chapters. I was shamed for my art in real life, and yet online I was a star. I gotta admit, living that secret life was exciting. I ran to the nearest cafe, ordered one coffee so I could get free Wi-Fi, and uploaded as many chapters as that free Wi-Fi would allow. By the end of the month, I had people sending me donations and supporting me because they loved my series so much. A lot of them were kids like me who were struggling at school and had nobody to talk to. At first, I only got something like a hundred bucks a week. But then, my account grew. After a couple of months, I had over a hundred thousand subscribers. The money was pouring in. There were donations, tips, subscriptions to my Patreon. I was finally able to make a living out of the thing I loved the most. And the best part? The hype got so big that GetFlix wanted to make it into a show! But it felt hollow. Opal was the reason I kept drawing, and she wasn't with me. Uh, 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 hello? We well, wanted to get your answer about GetFlix acquiring the license for your comic strips. We'd love to start shooting the series as soon as possible. I was gobsmacked. I was half expecting that email to be a scam. Are you still there? Okay, you're a tough negotiator. I said 300 grand in the email, but we can go as high as half a million. For the first season. Sound good? They paid me up front, and I couldn't help myself. I called Opal. She congratulated me, and then she broke down sobbing. It wasn't me. I swear, I'm so sorry. The Manderly kids took my phone, and when they saw your drawings, they... They told me they'd have your dad fired if I tried to stop them. I ran to Opal's house, and as soon as I saw her, I embraced her, and I peppered her with kisses. There's nothing to forgive. They'll get what's coming to them. I wanted to surprise my parents with a huge gift. I was going to buy them a house. And I was going to do it on my 18th birthday. But the night before, my my days. Days. I was out with Opal the whole day, and when I got home, my mom and dad were waiting for me in the living room. Dad took out my tablet and laptop. Where'd you get these, huh? You stealing from us? D- there's nothing to steal. Don't you get smart with me. Been telling you for a year now. Go to your Uncle Howard and work at his shop so you can help us with the bills. And all this time, you've been wasting your time. My name's Pete. My name's Pete. Doodling? Your dad and I are very disappointed. It's what I love to do. It's my passion, and it's going to be my career. What? Selling scribbles? Wake up, son. You're poor. Your parents are broke. And you will be broke just like us. So, stop struggling. Instead of wasting your time, if you just go and work for your uncle, he won't pay you much, but you need a bit of reality check, Peter. You can do nothing on your own. So you might as well help us. I grabbed my stuff from my dad and stomped up the stairs. You better be ready to sell those gadgets if we come up short of the bill this month. I couldn't take it anymore. I packed my bags and snuck out when they thought I was asleep. I took a cab to the fanciest hotel in the city, and I splurged for the very first time in my life. I got myself the presidential suite. I tipped every waitress at the Japanese restaurant a thousand bucks, and by the end of dinner, they were feeding me by my hand. I had trays upon trays of dessert sent up to my mom and I lay on the most comfortable bed I'd ever laid on surrounded by 30 different dishes that cost over $10,000. I woke up early and went straight to a real estate agency, and I saw that a mansion in the same street as our house was up for sale, and I had a wicked smile when I realized that it was the neighbor who was the first to dump water into our lot. I couldn't help but be tempted by a double revenge. As soon as I got home, Mom and Dad began asking me where I'd been, I ignored them. Instead, I started putting my stuff into boxes, and then I moved them to the curb. After a while, the moving company I had hired turned up, and they started moving the boxes and carrying them next door. Wh- wh- what are you doing?! You said I can do nothing by myself? So that's what I'm doing! very, very sweet nothing! I flashed my bank account at him and his jaw fell to the ground. Once upon a time, there lived a boy raised by a horrible, terrible mother who only knew how to make him feel like he didn't deserve anything in the world. That boy grew up to live a life filled with suffering which led him to a path of destruction. But there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Hi, everyone. My name's Axel. My parents fought a lot. Every day, multiple times a day. It was like being in the middle of a war zone, only the weapons they use are words. My earliest memory was of hearing my mom shouting at my dad for not being able to afford to buy her a diamond necklace like her friend Sarah's husband. Sarah lived two houses down the street, and mom and her would spend afternoons trying to outdo each other. They acted like they were friends, but really, they were fierce rivals who always tried to outdo each other. My dad tried. He tried to be calm around her, tried to be nice and give her everything. But one day... Mom hit Dad with her fist when he found out she was cheating, and he left without another word. I was ten when Dad left. Apparently, Mom started cheating on him ages ago with Sarah's husband, and she was stealing from the family business. Well, the day my dad left, the family business left with him, and Mom didn't like that one bit. She took that anger out on me. Sometimes she'd starve me on purpose or she'd leave the house, only returning weeks later. I had to fend for myself early. Boyfriend after boyfriend came and went so quickly into our house that Mom should have just had a revolving door installed. My favorite was Tim. At least he let me keep the change whenever he'd asked me to buy him his drinks at the corner shop. And he didn't push me around like the others. Him and Mom lasted about a month. I grew up with zero self-esteem. Mom always made me feel like I was worthless. If you hadn't been born, your dad would still be here. Now look at us. We're poorer than rats. I was over her crap that week. I was already so tired from doing all the house chores and cooking her every meal that I finally snapped. Dad's gone because of you! You klepto cheating gold digging slap Mom left a stinging sensation across my cheek, and when she saw that I was trying my best not to show that I was about to cry, she decked me in the gut and I fell to the floor. She threw me out of the house that day. I didn't have anything but the clothes I was wearing on my back. I was lucky that my best friend Cole's mom was chill and took pity on me. I even joked about wanting to get adopted by a hot mom like her to Cole, and he immediately gave me a quick kick in the knee. It was around that time that I met Haley. I was depressed. I had no home, and I was wondering how I could ever make something of myself in the world without a family. But then, I met her. And when I met Haley, my dark world suddenly became bright. I woke up every day like it was the best day ever, and whenever she smiled at me, I felt like I could do anything. Thing is, I had no business jumping into relationships. Especially not before dealing with what I got going on. Oh, I was horrible at it. The only people I could model from was my parents. And I thought that was what love looked like. I was basically a simp. I did everything Haley asked. I gave her whatever she wanted. And when I couldn't give it to her, I felt bad and made myself feel bad. I thought I would never become like my parents but I unconsciously did anyway. Haley and I fought every day. When we graduated, she spit on my face and broke up with me in front of our classmates. I am so glad I'm moving to Colorado for college. Now this can finally be over. By the way, I only used you so I could copy off of you during exams. You'll never be worthy of me. Or any girl. You'll never be anything. I cried a lot, I'm not ashamed to say it, but Cole and his mom were there for me. But eventually I moved out of there. They told me I was welcome to stay, but I just felt bad just taking from them and never being able to give back anything. So I took my chances and went to Hollywood. Now I wasn't bad looking, and I was quite tall, so I thought I'd do some modeling. I got a job as a waiter and went to a few auditions. Honestly, I landed my first break out of pure luck. I was just walking to get some milk when some random lady stopped me and handed me her card. That very next day, I was called in to shoot a commercial. I went to Hollywood to try some runaway modeling. It turned out, I was pretty good at acting. So after my first commercial, that same lady who found me became my manager and she helped me book TV gigs. Nothing special, I would usually just be someone in the background, but then... One day, one of the actors got sick, and they needed a replacement. I immediately volunteered. The director was already frustrated, so he just waved yes. And that was the beginning of an awesome career. I did hit TV shows, movies with the best of the best, and soon enough, I was able to give back to Cole and his mom. I bought them a much nicer house, and I always send them tickets to any of my shows in red carpets. But then, years later, tragedy struck. I was in the middle of giving a press conference for having received my very first award when I got the call that Cole had passed away. He had a heart attack, and he was so young. I couldn't eat or sleep for days. I flew home and helped Cole's mom get through it. But when I flew back, I felt like I couldn't deal with it myself. I was just going through the motions smiling for the cameras, waving to people. But inside, I felt dead. Until I saw Violet. She was crying, waving her hands so desperately at me, wanting me to sign her autograph. And you know what? When I saw her, it was like the sun was shining on me. The world stopped. I'd never felt like that in a very long time, so I invited her back to my hotel, and we fell in love with each other instantly. Violet was probably the most beautiful girl in the world, and the world agreed. We were the cover story of every tabloid and entertainment magazine for weeks. They were all talking about our mysterious whirlwind romance. Violet was there for me. She helped me get through my grief, and she made the world a happy place again. I spent every free moment I had with her. I visited her family, And I even became pretty good friends with her sister who turned out was obsessed with the same video game as I was. We bonded a lot through that. While Violet was out shopping with my bodyguard, Kelly and I would spend hours just playing on the PlayStation. I felt happy. I found somewhere I belonged again. With Violet as the woman of my dreams, and Kelly as the sister I never had. The only problem was, maybe Violet was too beautiful? Or, as Kelly put it, too much of a flirt. Every job I had, as soon as they saw what my girlfriend looked like, the director would fire me. And then they would try to take Violet out. A couple of them even offered her jobs, giving her roles in their movies just so she'd go on dates with them. And I... I felt powerless. She said if I loved her, I would let her do what she wants. She said if I loved her, that I would be happy for her that I'd be happy that she was getting her own break. I know it was wrong, but I let her bully me into believing that she just wanted what I had, and that she was not, in fact, using me to get her own fame. I loved her so much that I let her walk all over me. One day, she tried to end my career. She called me before I saw the news, telling me that she only did it so that there'd be a buzz around us and her new movie would sell lots of tickets. But when I saw what she'd said about me... I couldn't believe my eyes. In minutes, there were dozens of paparazzi outside my door. I couldn't even go out and get my postmate. Kelly had to literally muscle her way through a bunch of reporters and deliver my food through the back. The next day, the police came and arrested me. I got bailed out, of course, but my career was over. The movies I was working on dropped me. I was blacklisted from clubs and received every hate mail imaginable. Everywhere I went, people asked me the same question. Axel! Axel, over here! Why did you hit her, Axel? I did not hit her! I did not! Yeah, Violet told everyone I hit her. Sure, we fought a lot. Mainly because I would get jealous when I saw her sitting on some gross producer's lap. But I never, ever laid a hand on her. That's what I told the judge during the trial. Not a lot of people believed me not even my own lawyer. But then, one day, a miracle happened. The people I loved stood up for me. As Violet was telling an elaborate lie about the night I supposedly hit her, my camp called out a witness they were never expecting. Violet's sister. Kelly defied her own sister and told everyone the truth. That, in fact, it was Violet who was always hitting me that the same night she had given me a black eye just because I told her that I didn't want to be with her anymore, if she would keep going out with directors and producers. Kelly told everyone how she witnessed Violet on multiple occasions punching me in the gut when her temper rose up. And then, several other witnesses said the same thing. There were even a couple of producers that Violet had cheated on me with who took to the stand. They all said the same thing, that Violet had on multiple occasions beat them up. I won that trial and finally my name was clean again. People who accused me apologized, and Violet was sent to jail for what she did. Now, her career is over and mine is back on track. And what's more is that I realized there was one person who truly loved me the way love is supposed to be like, and I kicked myself for not seeing it sooner. Kelly, her sister. I took it slow with her, and eventually I proposed. Now we live a happy life. Three kids and counting. The doors to the mansion opened and in walked two stylists. They had five assistants each, and each assistant pushed two racks of designer clothes, accessories, and shoes. In no time, our living room turned into a walk-in closet of the finest in French and Italian fashion. Oh my god, I could get used to this. I want the red Chanel dress! You wish, I saw it first. Fine... You have it. It won't fit you anyway. My new stepmom and stepsisters' eyes grew wide. If they could drool right then and there, they would have. I could see the envy, the greed in their faces. They had never seen someone spend that much for clothes. They had never seen anyone be treated like a VVIP. But for me, that was how every day went. My name's Ewan, and I was fortunate enough to be born into a very fortunate family. I lived like a prince since I was a baby, but that doesn't mean I'm spoiled. My mom and dad made sure I grew up knowing the value of a dollar, and how every single cent I spent needed to be something I worked for. Doesn't mean I don't spend it on ridiculous things, just means I worked hard to spend ridiculously. One of the downsides of being mega rich is that I'm constantly surrounded by the wrong people. Sure, I have close friends that I've trusted forever, but there's always people who will try to take advantage of me. A lot of them are girls who want a shortcut to an easy life. Newsflash! Money doesn't make life easier. When I was in high school, the most popular and prettiest girls asked me to prom. I said yes to one of them, thinking I'd met the love of my life. Turned out, she just wanted to get a ride on my Porsche so she could have an awesome entrance on the red carpet. The moment we went into the venue, she barely spoke another word to me. She just left me there. (sighs) Alone. She even told everyone why she asked me to prom, and it was really embarrassing to be used for your money. I developed a really low self-esteem after that. Fast forward to a decade later, and I'm still dating girls who just want what they can get from me. My girlfriend, Serena, used to be really sweet, but the moment she learned how much money my dad had, that's all she cared about. She would go on massive spending sprees using my card. If I didn't get her what she wanted, or if I don't give her the most lavish gifts, she would pout and give me the cold shoulder. There was one time when she didn't talk to me for a whole month just because I forgot to buy her the right bracelet she wanted. That same weekend, she cheated on me with my best friend just to teach me a lesson. (sighs) But what can I do? I love her. And I guess that's why I date who I date. Because throughout my life, I was never able to believe that someone would love me for who I am. Not for my bank account. I was the only child, so the girls I attracted tended to be those who wanted to marry an heir. I say, was, because now Dad has brought home a new mom for me and two stepsisters. And I'm getting really bad vibes from them. I don't know why. I can't quite put a finger on it. But I just feel like there's something... off with them. Anyway, my stepmom's name is Lori, and her two daughters are Cheyenne and Kayla. They just appeared out of nowhere one day. Dad said he met Lori in Vegas. (sighs) Says it's all a blur. They must have fallen in love and were in a whirlwind romance, because Dad said he woke up in his hotel one day and they were married. So anyway, he brought them to our house so they can live there too. They said they had their own businesses and that they come from money. But I'm protective of my dad. He's got a weak heart especially after Mom passed. So I sent a private investigator to find out the truth. And the truth will shock you, because I found out that they had no money. They were all flat-out broke. And even more, my stepmom and my stepsisters are not related. At all! Yep. Dad had been hoodwinked, scammed into welcoming even more gold diggers into our house. What's worse is now that Dad's health is declining, They've got their eyes on me. I guess Dad didn't put them in the will. I didn't have the heart to tell him the truth. I regret that I didn't. I just didn't want him to go while being heartbroken. So their only hope of getting Dad's money is if they fooled his heir too. Well, joke's on them, because I was two steps ahead. Only a week after we said goodbye to Dad, Tori began making her feelings known. And when my pretended stepsisters saw that Tori was making her move, they kicked into high gear, too. Suddenly, I had three gold diggers after me. Well, four, since we need to count my actual girlfriend. They actually got into a catfight one evening because Serena caught Lori, Kayla, and Cheyenne hitting on me. What is this? What in the name of Sweet Home Alabama is happening? Why are your stepmom and stepsisters trying to kiss you? Babe, it's not what it looks like, I swear. They've been trying to get me to dump you. I was trying to push them off, but they won't leave me alone. How is this disgusting? Hello? We have as much of a right to him as anyone does. Ugh, gross. You're like decades older than him. you're his mom. Step-mom. We're not even related and she's not our mom. You think this beauty could ever come from that old hag? How dare you talk to me like that after I included you in this gig? I will marry Ewan, and you'll never get your share of the money. (sighs) Excuse me. I'm like right here. Hello? I'm his actual girlfriend. If anyone's entitled to becoming his wife and inheriting all the money, it's me. Get out of here, you Filthy gold diggers. I'd had it. I couldn't stand listening to people fight over money. None of them wanted to be with me. All they cared about was being rich. I wanted to explode. I wanted to tell them all to get out of my life. But I had a better idea. What they didn't know is that I told my girlfriend exactly what time to go to my house. She would catch them. And she would confront them. And it would lead to my plan. So, you're all fighting over me, but there can only be one winner. So, why don't you compete for real? The winner gets a date with me. A chance to prove why you deserve to be my wife. I'll smoke the competition. (laughs) As if, old timer. Are you kidding me? I'm the prettiest here. Of course I'll win. Why do I even have to compete? I'm already your girlfriend. The game's already begun. There's no turning back. Everything you do from now on will be judged by me. To start with... I'm hungry, and there's nothing for dinner. That was probably the first time I ever saw any of them in the kitchen, before they would just let the maids do any work. And now, they were rushing to make the best dinner they had ever made in their lives. Tori made roast chicken with vegetables. Cheyenne made sushi, Kayla made dumplings and noodles, and Serena, well, she made something that kind of resembled food. I think it was beef. They were all barely edible, but still I had to choose a winner. So I chose Kayla, simply because I liked dumplings and not because hers were any good. The next test came two days later when I was having a craving for a specific kind of grapes. Ones that you could only find in northern Japan. The girls panicked. Tori called every grocer in the country. Kayla visited every vineyard for miles around. Meanwhile, Cheyenne called up all her contacts in the restaurant business, contacting all the specialty food suppliers she knew. Serena borrowed money from her parents to fly all the way to Japan to buy the grapes. Tori didn't find any. Neither did Kayla. Cheyenne found me the right grapes, and Serena... Well, she came back a day late looking like an anime character and showing up with regular grapes she got from the convenience store. It seemed she spent all that money on other things and ran out of it. So in the end, I had to eliminate her from the game. The next competition was something I loved to do. Sailing! The girls all got their own catamarans, and they had to race to get to me. I waited for them in the middle of the ocean in my mega-yacht, and whoever got there first would go to the finals. From the shore alone, it was chaos. Cheyenne couldn't even get off the shore because she was too scared of the water. And even though Tori and Kayla had already technically won, they still battled it out. The funny thing is, as they raced towards me, Tori kept trying to crash into Kayla's boat, throwing her off course. She even boarded her vessel and sabotaged her, cutting off her main sails. Tori, of course, won, and she got to enjoy the afternoon on the yacht. I decided she won the whole thing since the other two were disqualified for never reaching the yacht. And I took Tori out on the most extravagant dates on Monaco. I shut down an entire restaurant overlooking the harbor and the sunset. I ordered all the most expensive food, the priciest drinks, and at the very end, the gold-dusted premium desserts only the richest can afford. Tori had an amazing time. She gorged herself on everything. She felt victorious. She was so certain that she was going to be the wife of a billionaire. Until I got up from the table. So? You've won. Congratulations! You've proved that you're the best gold digger. You were willing to go to any lengths to get my money. I have to compliment you on your dedication. Anyway... I look forward to our wedding. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go to the little boy's room. Go ahead. I'll be here, waiting for my prince. And she waited, and waited, until the restaurant closed, because I simply slipped out, ran to my yacht, and sailed away. I left her there, stuck with the restaurant bill for a hundred thousand bucks, and stuck in Monaco with no way to go home. After all, The best gold digger should be able to find her way out of it. Thanks to that experience, I met my future wife while sailing home. She was kind and funny. She worked on my yacht, and she didn't even know I owned it. We spent a lot of time together on the trip home. We fell in love. And at the end, I told her who I was. And then I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes.